On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. Join in studio by a man who remains the Minister for Higher Education, Research, Innovation and Science, but is also, for the next five and a half months, the Minister for Justice. Fine Gael TD for Wicklow, Simon Harris. Simon, um, good afternoon. Um, good afternoon when did Gavin. you find out yesterday that you were going to be taking on a second role in addition to the one you already had? Uh, yesterday afternoon, around uh, four o'clock, just after four o'clock, when I got called to, to see the Taoiseach, uh, Leo Varadkar. And um, and yeah, at that, at that moment, he asked me, would I... Uh, would I take on these responsibilities, which I'm very happy to do? And, and there's n- there's no kind of advanced signalling or scoping around as to whether who has the like the the mental bandwidth or to take on a second job as significant as justice, or is it literally just offered to you? You go right. I'm asking you to take on justice, and you basically have no option but to go. Yeah, sure. But well, I'm sure, say, boss. I, I would imagine there's a massive amount of preparation and consideration of those issues by the Taoiseach and yeah. his team in advance, but certainly not with individual ministers. People never, all around the country over the last number of weeks, I've been asked, where, where are you staying in the reshuffle? And I think people don't believe you when you say you don't know, but mm. genuinely, in my experience, you find these things out on the day. Yeah, well, as I, you know. I, having, having covered a few <laughs> yes. of them, I, I know that it is on the day, but I think it's still boggles a lot of people's minds that you could have something as significant as if there had been a more significant reassignment of briefs if there was a change of briefs and and he'd put Mm. you in the Department of Housing for example or even if you're going back to the Department of Health somewhere that you know pretty well that you would be expected to basically pick up all the reins and continue and have that sense of continuity and not be given any real significant heads up that you were going into that job. Yeah, and and and, and that is the way. That is the way. I think it, it it has always has been, and it nearly it nearly is the way that it must be. Um, I mean, I think this time around, at least the you know cabinet's being appointed at a time of dull recess and the likes, which does give ministers a number of weeks to, to read in. But having said that, and I was listening to your 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 contributors earlier. I mean, this is a government was constitutionally new yesterday, and we obviously have uh, new Taoiseach and Leo Varadkar. Uh, it is, I think, a stability. In in terms of continuing now with the implementation of the programme for government. So there hasn't been a, a general election. The mandate that this government and Dáil has remains the same from the 2020 uh, election. And really what, what yesterday was about was about seeing the government into the second half of its term but continuing to deliver an agreed programme between Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil uh, and the Green mm. Party that we agreed back in 2020. Do, do you accept that a lot of people on the outside, particularly those who don't have a very favourable view of the government, see it uh, as a little bit pally or that it, it just seems like, although it's constitutionally proper and everything about it is fine, that it seems like for their view a little bit of a stitch up? I don't, unless they fall for some of the spin or nonsense put out by some of the populist opposition parties, because the reality of the situation is any member of Dáil Éireann could have been nominated to be Taoiseach yesterday. And had Sinn Féin nominated Mary Lou Macdonald, she would have resoundingly lost yesterday. Well, you told her that she was command. a hypocrite because she's been calling for an election, so it would have been opportunity well, she to try she, and fill the job. She doesn't command a majority of support in Dáil Éireann. So when you hear parties like Sinn Féin saying, we won the last election, uh, you didn't, actually. Uh, to win the election in a parliamentary democracy, you have to be able to command a majority in Dáil Éireann. And had they wished to test that thing, yesterday. Uh, They could have nominated her and they made a conscious decision not to in recognition of the fact that the people's representatives, democracy in this country, uh, continues to support uh, the Fianna Fáil Fianna Gael Green government and and by quite a significant Dáil majority yesterday as well. You hear a lot of talks about, you know, Mm. tight Dáil majorities and does the government have a working majority? Very clear yesterday that the government has a very strong working majority. Mm. Uh, Buffeted by the support of a few um, independents on the the external benches as well. Absolutely. Um, So you said you you were listening to the the first hour of the show. Thank you for tuning in. You will have heard a few people uh, sending in texts supposing that um, that it's a little unfair on the brief that you now hold in the Department of Justice 
basis for it to be someone else's second role that it is such a significant brief that it would surely make a little bit more sense rather than giving it to someone who already had one or in Heather Humphrey's case two additional departments that it would have made more sense simply to promote someone from the junior ministerial or from the backbenches and have them in the job for six months Well as people will know or maybe will not know I mean obviously you're limited by the number of people you can have in cabinet Um, so there's a maximum number of cabinet ministers that there can be in this country Uh, my colleague and friend Minister Helen McEntee is on maternity leave it's important that that is facilitated Um, and it's absolutely right and proper she's been doing a superb job Um, and therefore somebody in cabinet needs to take on that responsibility but let me be very clear uh, for the next five six months I am the Minister for Justice Um, I will be giving this job my all the Taoiseach was very clear that I am to give this job my all Um, I have a very good department that I enjoy in the Department of Further and Higher Education Um, it's a department though that tends not to be in the uh, political crosshairs that often and it's a department in which I also have a Minister of State uh, who will support me during that time but we're at a really important moment for justice and it is important that we bring now an energy uh, and a focus to some key issues over the next uh, six months whether that's the defamation bill uh, whether it's the sexual offences bill whether it's really getting guard recruitment going again getting the O'Connell Street Guard Station uh, open uh, body cams for our guardie trying to get our streets safer and so I can absolutely assure your listeners and assure the people of Ireland uh, that the security and safety of citizens in this country and of members of Angarda Shiokana uh, will be my absolute main priority for the coming months. Um, you have your, your new briefing document. I'm not going to ask you to, to open it up and read aloud from it, but every department, as you were explaining to me off air, has to pre- prepare a briefing document on the off chance that they've got new personnel. Yes. Um, in the uh, the 15 hours or so that you've had the brief, have you had any duties relating to it or is that a matter for tomorrow morning? So so far today, I've spoken with the Garda Commissioner um, and we had a conversation. I'll be meeting him um, to tomorrow um, for a security briefing but also uh, to really talk to him about my priorities the Taoiseach's priorities and the government's priorities for the months ahead and that is really about um, making our streets and our community safer supporting on Garda Shiokona in their work and a very heavy legislative programme uh, to help strengthen a number of areas which I've already mentioned I've obviously spoken to, to key officials and this morning I also had a conversation with the President of the Garda Representative Association and the General Secretary of AGSI um, as well and we look forward to an early meeting um, with them but the next number of months are going to be about uh, a real focus um, on law and order uh, a real focus on making people feel safe in their communities again and a real focus on supporting the Gardaí in terms of the resources and the tools they need that including recruitment 200 new recruits to go into the Garda College uh, every 11 weeks in 2023 It sounds like that for the next five and a half months that justice is effectively then going to be your primary job in that higher education and I don't mean this pejoratively but that it's going to take something of a back seat because of the magnitude of what you've now got on your plate Well I think there's no greater role than any minister has than the safety and security of citizens in the state and I'll be taking that responsibility extremely seriously and working with officials. My Department of Further and Higher Education which I'm passionate about will continue of course to get attention from me. It's e- even geographically the two buildings, the two departments are side by side with an interconnecting corridor so you can be assured it will be getting attention and I will be... Uh, Is that the reason not, you were chosen? I will because be, you were already next door I'm anyway. Not, I'm, not, I'm not sure you'd have to ask the Taoiseach that but I will be I will be relying obviously on my Minister's Estate uh, both in Justice mm. and, in, and, and in Higher Education to assist and we'll know that we'll know their uh, identities on Wednesday. I know um Helen McEntee and her new son were at Orson Uthron last mm. night. She, she was there to receive her seal of office and to participate in that first formal yeah, cabinet meeting. Um, when you're taking on something like this and you know that your period is fixed and that at some point in, in May or June that you're handing back the keys of the building next door to the one you're already in, do you get an opportunity to have a little bit of a heads up and to have a bit of a sidebar discussion and sort of discuss, you know, what do I need to know or what are the priorities? What would you like to have resolved by the time you're back? Or is there any scope for yeah, discussion I mean, like that? Minister McEntee and I have had a discussion already I'm very conscious that 
Helen is on maternity leave. It was great. It was it was really lovely to see her and and her new son uh, last night, and and um, really to wish them all the best. Um, but this is not about personality. So it's not about it's not about me, my name, the name of the Minister for Justice. It's about the programme for government. And whether you've had Heather Humphreys for the last while, we've had Minister McEntee and her excellent work. Now me, we're all united by the programme for government, which sets out very clear commitments uh, in the justice area, in the criminal justice and civil justice areas. And we'll be pushing and driving forward that programme of reform. And I know uh, our new Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, is very eager that we continue to build on Helen's work in the months ahead. And that's exactly what I'll be doing. So it's not about the personality, it's about mm. the programme for government, getting, getting on with it. Um, I, I don't think it's, it's a major surprise to, to ask. I mean, I presume, given what Leo Varadkar told the Fine Gael Parliamentary Party, and it'd be no surprise that you would con- intend to contest the next general election in Wicklow. I, I don't think that's Correct. a sort of major yes. scoop that we'd Breaking be news. offering this lunchtime. Um, so one assumes then that everyone who was appointed to a ministry yesterday and those who will be appointed to the junior ministries this coming week will be Fine Gael's front bench going into the next election. It's, it's kind of hard to foresee any circumstances in which there'd be more reshuffling before the general election. So when that next general election rolls around and it's expected to be in spring of 2025, you'll have six ministers of cabinet level, uh, two of whom, Leo Varadkar and Simon Coveney, will have been in cabinet for 14 years unbroken. Pascal Donoghue and Heather Humphreys will have been in coalition for or in cabinet for over 10 years unbroken. You'll have been in, in cabinet for, I think, eight years, possibly going on nine by that time. And Helen McEntee, barring her, her two uh, absences, will have been in cabinet for five years. It's not presenting a very fresh front bench to the people when you're asking them for another chance at wielding power. Well, you see, I hear a lot about change, 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 change. We must count how many times you probably have, Gavin, how many times change was said in Dáil Éireann, in Dáil Éireann yesterday without anybody defining what it actually means. What I think change means is actually getting on with delivering improvements in people's lives. And that's what we're going to continue to do. Longevity is thrown at us by our political opponents, and it's a legitimate point, but it's thrown at us by our political opponents, so it's a bad thing. Mm. I actually think having experienced politicians, people who've led this country through a number of crises, be it avoiding a hard border on the island of Ireland after Brexit, the COVID pandemic, now our response to the humanitarian crisis from the war in Ukraine, the cost of living challenge and the 11 billion euro budget. Like This is a government that's Mm. working. It's getting things done for people. And... You know, I hope by the time we approach the next election, we can really win that argument. And I'm excited about the fact that the next election, I think, will be a massive contrast of ideas uh, and ideals and how you'd run the country. I mean, there will be real choice on the agenda mm. in the next election. At the start of that answer, though, you said about delivering uh, benefits or delivering positive change for people. And objectively, if you look at the two biggest crises facing the country in housing and in health and health being the department that you had before yep. that general election, things have objectively gone worse. Now, I accept that there were extraneous things that happened in the last two and a half years outside of the government's control that it wasn't able to deal with and it had to deal with on the the hop the same as everyone else. But the number of people in emergency accommodation experiencing homelessness is higher now than it ever has been before. The cost of renting a home is higher than it ever has been before. The cost of buying a home is higher than it ever has been before. Um, Hospital waiting lists for inpatients and outpatients are higher than they have ever been before. There are more people on hospital trolleys in the last autumn than there have been in any autumn ever. None of those are positive changes. And you're saying that the government is delivering improvements in people's lives, but objectively, on almost every metric, it's getting worse. So the government is delivering improvements in a whole variety of areas, and we won't have time to get into them all now, whether it's childcare costs being reduced, whether it's tax, whether it's improved welfare packages, whether it's energy credits, but on specifically on housing and health. I mean, there's no doubt these, and indeed climate, which is an existential crisis, there's no doubt that housing and health remain the biggest challenges we face. And there's no doubt we will have to show 
progress and delivery on them by the time of the next election. I wouldn't accept, though, that all the metrics are going in the wrong way. If you look at housing, for an example, uh, more first time buyers will have bought their first home this year, about 16,000 people, uh, than will have done in any time in the last 15 years. More homes constructed in this country this year than any time since 2008. Yes, rents are high, but what have we now done to try to bring in a rent tax credit? The first time we've really gotten into that policy area. And very clear, and again, this is clear from the three parties in government, that there is more we'll need to do in terms of policy mm. levers. And I think even in the last few weeks alone, We've shown a willingness to do more in my own department, student accommodation, the state getting involved in that for the first time ever, quite frankly. Um, Darrow O'Brien's emergency legislation or important legislation this week uh, around social housing and making it easier for councils to build that by by dealing with some debts they might have on land. Mm. So, you know, we're, we're restless to do more in relation to these issues. And I fully accept that when the next election comes, these will be key issues of which we'll be judged. people will, will expect and demand that there will have been positive progress. Absolutely, and we'll have fields. to show demonstrable progress. And those who wish to be in government mm. will also have to show what they would do and not just but, give out about it. But it is very difficult for them to put themselves in some alternate universe and show what they would have been able to do for the last two and a half, or in Fine Gael's case, for the last 12 years. What, what reason do people have to think that there will be positive changes in the next two years when Fine Gael have been in power for 12 already? Because I think there have already been a number of positive changes. When Fine Gael came to government 11 odd years ago, if you remember some of the big challenges in housing then and special programmes ran on issues like ghost estates, issues like not having a functioning construction sector, not having people lending to construction, all our workers having effectively emigrated because the construction sector collapsed. So the housing situation has been with us for a very long time. That's accepted. Mm. But it has changed to a point where it's now supply, supply, supply. We have more people working in construction than we've had in many years. We have apprenticeships, which my department's responsible before mm. ramping up. But we also we also could begin to imagine what the opposition policies would have looked like because, you know, you can see people saying there's an urgency to this, there's an urgency, this is a housing emergency, please do something. And then when Darrell O'Brien brings forward measures this week, the opposition either voting against them or abstaining. So they can't have it every way. And unfortunately, I think there's some in opposition but, who are happy for the housing emergency well, to continue. Well, there, there is, to be fair, that there are other concerns about the, the haste at which some of those measures were brought through and that there's always mm. some concerns but about... But you've got to be fast in an emergency. You've got to get but, on with it. You know? But then if it was an, emer- it, it's an emergency at times other than the last week of a dull term when these things are habitually put through by well, the I mean, Darrell O'Brien in particular, I think, I genuinely believe every day comes to work saying what more can we do and we're not going to apologise for continuing to bring mm. forward more ideas and quite frankly we have to mm. and we can't be rigid as a government and say we're not willing to move and in fact some of the ideas that we're bringing forward are ideas that the opposition uh, have suggested as well so we're willing to you know there's no monopoly on good ideas here. Uh, I want to talk about just the, the next election but before I do that um, there's an interesting kind of anomaly in the the governance of higher education where as, do I understand it right that your department is not responsible for teacher training colleges or courses so that they are still the responsibility of Norma Foley's department rather than yours so that yes. it is so you don't technically have any role in making sure that there are enough people going through teacher training colleges to fill all the teaching vacancies that are there is that is that a a, d- a deliberate construction yeah. that the minister responsible for the higher education sector has no role in the higher education of the teachers of tomorrow. I think it'd be I think it'd be too handy or dismissive of me to say I have no role. So obviously we have to work and do work very closely with the Department of Education on these issues, but they control policy responsibility around it. That's not that unusual. I mean, if you look at things like medical education as well and the role of the Department of Health mm. uh, and the HSE uh, and the medical schools. So I'd see it more as a as a partnership approach. But doesn't it seem slightly weird that the minister who is responsible for higher education doesn't really have as much of a say as they perhaps ought to when there is such a chronic shortage. I mean, I know you, you've been responsible for expanding access or the number of places available in other courses in other disciplines where they're urgently yeah. needed. But that in, in education, where there is obviously a chronic shortage, 
that it's not up to the minister who runs colleges. Yeah, so I mean, the way it works, for, uh, the way it works might be useful to explain to your listeners from my perspective. The way it works is my department, I kind of see as a service provider. So we ask other line departments, what are your requirements? So we're working with the Department of Education. They bring forward their needs in relation to teacher training. Then there's a responsibility on my department to make sure we fund and expand places. We're working with the Department of Health, doing the equivalent on medicine. Um, and I'm working very, on uh, nursing, and I'm working very closely with Minister Anne Rabbit, uh, doing the same now in disability and therapies. Mm. So we're at the moment doing and I'm actually very excited about this work we're doing proper scanning and mapping I suppose of what do our public services require from the higher education system and uh, now and into the future but the, the line department in yeah. any of those okay. areas uh, obviously needs to give direction. Yeah, it's, it's curious but I just wanted to mm. touch on it because I know that there are um, some people who just find it sort of confusing that when when there's been so much talk sure. of teacher shortages they're like well how can we have an heard from Simon Harris but it's not all of your, your responsibility sure. so I just wanted to, to tease that out. Um, on the next election which I know m- may not be until spring 25 and there's many things to, to do and achieve and you, that you'll have to deal with in the meantime um, the outgoing coalition is not going to seek re-election as a, as a single block entity. You might reform the present coalition if the numbers are there, but you're not going to contest the election as, as a single block. How is Fine Gael, or indeed how are the other coalition parties, going to have their own individual identities? And how is a government going to work if you're trying to govern alongside people, while at the same time also trying to point to an electoral point of difference. So if they say a week is a long time in politics, it's very dangerous for a government minister to project out to spring 2025. Mm. But let, let me try a little bit. Um, I mean, firstly, I think you're right. I think it's it's highly likely that the three and my expectation that the three parties in government mm. would contest the next election as distinct uh, parties. So you go running against Stephen Donnelly rather than alongside him, for example. Well, well, I would run in Wicklow and I presume he would too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but having said that, and again, it is too far out to predict this, but I would imagine if people think that the government is doing a good job and if people wish to re-elect this government as opposed to the alternative block, the alternative mm. government, I would imagine instinctively people in my own constituency in Wicklow will vote for uh, will vote for a coalition party and then m- I might well transfer it to other ones. I mean, certainly that's how I would mm. envisage myself voting in the next general election to try and re-elect the government and crucially to try and keep out um, a, a government led by Sinn Féin not not out of any personal reasons but out of not believing in their policies mm. and being concerned about them so so I, I think what you're likely to see forget what politicians say I think when the election comes you're likely to see two very distinct choices uh, on offer a centrist block and what mm. I would call a populist block and yeah. I imagine people will decide so they, that so but why, why, would they vote, why, why would they vote for Fine Gael then and not Fianna Fáil if, if it's a, a choice between the, the coalition that's there right now and a government led by Sinn Féin then, then what's the point of difference between you and Stephen Donnelly between yeah, but, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael but there, there always are and if you look at both parties' manifestos in the last election and indeed in, in, in each party's manifesto in the next election I mean there will be emphasis and policy differences and policy focuses and then the level of focus that that policy gets in any government depends on how many p- seats people get uh, in a general election. So, I mean, people's votes matter. Uh, the relative strength of any party in a coalition matters in terms of the delivery of the policy agenda. Coalition government is all about compromise. It's all about trying to find common ground. But mm. each party will have different areas of focus and priority. I like to think that my own leader, the now Taoiseach, uh, has led the discussion in Ireland about making work pay, about reforming the welfare system and some of the good work Heather Humphreys is doing there around PRSI um, and also making sure that there's more money in people's pockets at the end of the week. Of course, we share that, you know, we, we work with Fianna Fáil and the Greens to mm. implement those policies. But I think that's something that Leo Varadkar has brought to the table. Um, one final question before I um, let you go. Um, somebody, we just to point again to the, the idea that you have to juggle two departments and that for the last few weeks and earlier in this coalition Heather Humphreys was juggling three different departments uh, while she um, stood in for um, Helen McEntee while she was on leave 
one texter points in and says, well, if a department works fine with two portfolios with one minister without deterioration in the department, doesn't it just go to show that so many ministers is just for politicians' egos? Couldn't the cabinet get by with seven or eight or nine people instead of 15? No, I don't think so. I, I think there's a lack of understanding around this, maybe in some, in some of, respectfully, in some but, of the questioning. But, so, for example, but, so if, if, if social protection and rural development and justice all worked fine with one person at the helm, why do we need 15 ministers? So, just to be very clear, that the Taunish and Michal Martin uh, has two government departments. Um, the n- Simon Coveney had the Department of Foreign Affairs and the Department of Defence. Mm. It is all, the the number of the number of ministers is constitutionally set, but the number of departments is not. And there's a strong... No, the, the limit th- of ministers a, is constitutionally set. You are not required oh, sorry, not, to have any ab- more than seven. But I can tell you, I believe you, ne- I believe you need the 15 and, yeah. and our super juniors and based on the workload of government. And I think you've seen that with very busy ministers in certain areas. But there is sometimes benefit in having an additional department and a civil service structure there and secretary generals there and the mm. likes to give it policy focused to areas. So it's not unusual for ministers to take on busy workloads. I mean, I, I was the Minister for Health during the start of the, the COVID global pandemic. I'm used to working intensively hard mm. most of my colleagues if not all of them are and uh, it's not unusual in this government or other governments uh, for ministers to have more than one department uh, th- There was a lot going on in, in that tenure. There was um, <laughs> Final question for you and this is on the, the job that you will still have after you hand over justice in, in higher education um, Can you ask the minister about the idea of moving back to a one year masters uh, the postgraduate qualification for primary teaching rather than two years currently the two year programme can cost people up to 15,000 in tuition fees and if they're able to move back to a one year programme it might be cheaper for them and it might mean a greater throughput of teachers in the short term. So I don't want to give the answer that that is a matter for the Department of Education, but it is. It's a policy decision of the Department of Education. My understanding is the rationale was that the complexity of teaching now, the diversity of students and others that people actually see in the classroom, which is a good thing, uh, did require that change to be made. But I'm I'm instinctively supportive of the point your texter makes, uh, particularly from a financial burden point of view. Um, it's now taking a very long time to train to, to, to be a teacher and it's costing people a lot of money. The priority area that I have a focus on is trying to reduce the costs when we take some steps this year and we'll take more next year. Okay, you have a big enough uh, briefing document for your new job as well as the one for your old job so we'll let you go. Simon Harris, the Minister for Higher Education, Research, Innovation, Science and Justice for the next few months. Thank you very much for joining us this lunchtime on the record. Half past 12 this Sunday lunchtime and on the record. Gavin Riley with you till one o'clock. We uh, were hearing from Simon Harris just before the break. We are now joined on the line by the Fianna Fáil TD from Mead East and who was until I think about uh, 22 hours ago the Minister of State for European Affairs, Thomas Byrne. Thomas, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, I, I am constitutionally correct in saying that you, you are no longer the, the Minister of State for European Affairs? Well, it's not even in the Constitution, it's in legislation. And I think the Ministers of State uh, leave office essentially when the new Taoiseach is appointed. And of course, that makes sense. Uh, when there's a change of government, you couldn't have a new Taoiseach from after general election and, and Ministers of State still there until they're appointed. So so, that, so that's that's perfectly logical. And, uh, and that's the way it is. And as somebody who was attached to the Department of Taoiseach, was it fair to say that you, you fully understood that you were going to be moved on as a, an EU affairs minister because it would be unlikely for a junior minister from one party to be serving under a Taoiseach from another? No, look, I mean, it's it's an incredible honour um, to be a minister, minister of state, and particularly the role that I had um, up to now, which is the EU affairs, representing a country abroad. It's, it's an incredible job. Um, no, I don't think, quite frankly, I don't think anyone uh, from any of the parliamentary parties in government knows who's going to be appointed as ministers of state and what roles they will have. Mm. Uh, and it may well still be the subject of discussion between the leaders. So, so let's just see what happens. Is that to say then that you, you didn't know or you still don't know for certain whether you might be reappointed as EU Affairs Minister? I, 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 I don't think anybody knows what role they would be appointed to. Look, it's an honour. It's a privilege to be appointed as a minister. But as others have said as well, I mean, the, the, the singular privilege and singular responsibility that we all have actually is as TDs for our constituencies. 
Uh, and that's really important. And that's the work that continues all the time. Um, given that the position of EU Affairs Minister is attached to both the Department of the Taoiseach and Foreign Affairs, and the Taoiseach is now from a party other than your own, and your party leader is in Foreign Affairs, is it fair to say that it would be unlikely that you might get reappointed or that indeed that anyone from Fianna Fáil would be appointed to EU Affairs is it now a role that is likely I, to fall I, I, to the other look, party I mean there, there, there's nothing to suggest that um, there's been a lot of speculation in the newspapers but I have to say a lot of the speculation in the newspapers has been completely wrong uh, even with regard to the reshuffle yesterday so I think just let's wait and see uh, what the leaders do I think cabinet ministers are probably as we speak uh, settling into their roles, um, many of them are, have obviously have been there. Some of them have changed. If they've changed, they're going to be meeting staff um, and senior officials probably today. Uh, there's work to do. The priority for this government is actually to deliver for the people. It's always been uh, the priority within the democratic term of the dollar. Um, while you wait for a little bit of clarity as to your, your own future, and that will come, I think, on Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever the cabinet does get to meet, as I understood it last night, there wasn't formally any kind of understanding as to, to when that was all going to be done. Um, at least in the meantime, you, you spent two and a half years um, across Taoiseach and the Department of, of Foreign Affairs. What qualities do you think Micheál Martin might be able to bring to his new job as the, the Minister for Foreign Affairs after two and a half years in government buildings? Well, the most important thing, I suppose, is an understanding of diplomacy and the Taoiseach, uh, sorry, the Taoiseach uh, definitely yeah, it's, has... That's uh, a habit right. we're all going to have to break, I think, Yeah, and, and let's be honest, it, it happened before. Yeah. People joked about it as well, so it's going to continue to happen. Uh, and uh, nothing will turn on that. Look, I mean, he's been in, he's been in the role before. He's an incredible um, knowledge of what what works and what doesn't work, and what you have to do. He gets on well with his with his counterparts. I think he's really shown that in the European Council, where I have to say they were genuinely sad uh, to see him go, um, and that, that that was very interesting because of his interactions, because of his positive contribution. Interestingly, there's the the, the new Danish foreign minister who's just been appointed as a former prime minister as well. So. When he goes into the meetings of foreign ministers, um, which happen once a month in Brussels, he's going to be with people that he's worked with before. He's going to be with people that he knows. Um, and I think that he will continue to make a really positive contribution there. There is a fair amount of travel involved in the role of Minister for Foreign Affairs. Will, will Michal Martin be able to capably perform the functions of Fianna Fáil leader if he's spending so much time out of the country? Yeah, no, I, 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 I think that he will. I mean, I, we, we've seen this before where you know, party leaders take foreign affairs. I think, look, I mean, the, the, Michael Martin has had an extraordinary interest in, in Northern Ireland and really wants to see um, things work out there, things work out in the protocol. But I think he also understands as well that our good reputation abroad is absolutely essential uh, to our economy and our social well-being as well. So us being at the heart uh, of the European Union, us being active uh, in multilateral bodies, that all contributes to Ireland Inc. in terms of how we do and what services then uh, from taxes that business provide because of that reputation, what services we, we can provide to the people. So it all fits in uh, to a domestic agenda. But I've known he's going to be absolutely focused on his job, but also as leader of the party. And quite frankly, the busiest job in government is Taoiseach. It's busier than any job, mm. um, and I think that he would. There's but, no doubt he'd but be able to do both. given the sort of the power sharing nature and the sort of the, the parity of esteem that they're supposed to be between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael now, is the job of Thornishton not almost as busy because you have to be across the work of every department? And now he's going to be responsible for a job of his own as well. Two no, jobs, I, I, in fact, if you include I, defence. I I, I I would agree with that. I mean, but that's why we're in politics. We're in politics to, to people don't expect uh, politicians to sit back; they expect them to work uh, and to deliver for them. Uh, and party leaders do that as well. Uh, and I think the one good thing about, about Michal Martin is that, you know, even from the last two and a half years, but also by his very nature, he is across all of the important issues. The party leaders meet on a regular basis. That system has shown to be remarkably successful. 
uh, over the last couple of years. And indeed, the Cabinet Subcommittee system has been mm. remarkably uh, successful. And I've been attending a number of them in relation to my brief. Uh, and it is good to see the interactions, how they work uh, between the various parties and the various peoples. Where we, and, and we can come to a common position then. Uh, on behalf of the country and on behalf of the government. You said that um, it, is, it has been done before that party leaders have, have taken on the role of, of Minister for Foreign Affairs. It's been done twice before. It was done by Eamon Gilmore and before him by Dick Spring and in both instances it ended up with um, their parties, Labour in that case, getting completely thrashed at general elections afterwards and part of the concern is that when you spend so much time abroad as you're required to do in the Department of Foreign Affairs that you're just not able to tend to the garden at home that the party withers and that it suffers from the lack of hands-on leadership that you can perform. Why would Micheál Martin be any different? Well, I, I, I think he is going to be different. I mean, there are particular but circumstances how, how, What, what makes well, you think well, that it'll be different? There's, there's totally different circumstances there uh, in terms of um, the, the last time the Labour Party, I mean, Eamon Gilmore didn't go uh, to the people. There was a new leader of the Labour Party who wasn't foreign minister at that particular time. Uh, he was he left office after after a few years. Um, there are different circumstances. Well, he, got, he, got, and, he got shellacked in the local elections rather than the general, but it was still an electoral defeat. He, 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 his party was out and there was lots of reasons why the Labour Party between 2011 and 2016 had to leave office. I mean, famously, the, the, the five prom- famous promises that they broke at that time, I think, did them uh, tremendous harm. This, that was the era of austerity. I think Micheál Martin has shown a genuine interest and a genuine concern for everything that the government is doing. And quite frankly, that's his responsibility as leader of the party. Um, and tarnished and out of the country and he will continue to do that I have no doubt about that Do you think it's going to be possible for Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and indeed the Greens to still have a collaborative relationship within government while also looking with one eye to the next general election where you are going to be rivals with those same parties? I, look, I mean there were lots of predictions that this wouldn't last that we wouldn't be able to get on that things would fall apart it hasn't happened um, the systems that have been set up have worked really, really well. Mm. And I've but you haven't, been, you haven't been preparing for an election in all that time. You're, you're going to be at some point Sorry, in the next two not, years. The, Gavin, just to be clear, there's not many parties who aren't sort of constantly preparing for elections. I mean, we've already started selection conventions for our local elections, for example. So political parties are always political. They're always looking at elections. Obviously, when you get into government, you have to look at the national interest and, and policy and governance, and we're, we're very clear on that. But we're all political animals as such, so we're we're intending to fight, and we will be fighting the local elections, European elections, and the general election uh, as our own party. But the party brand now is, yes, Fianna Fáil were put out of office in 2011, but we've come back into office. We've shown that we can be responsible, that we can grow the economy, uh, that we can do the right thing, and that we can work professionally uh, with other parties in government. And that's very, very important, because people want to make sure that you know, we can have all the okay. slogans that we want, but we also need governance and effective policies for the public as well. Okay, we're going to leave it there. Thomas Byrne, uh, outgoing Minister for European Affairs and Fianna Fáil TD for me. These thanks very much for joining us on the record. On the record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at eleven. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions. It all adds up to the new equation on News Talk.